So yesterday, I, or no, yeah, it was yesterday. It was last night. I was talking to Corey <clears throat> on the phone, and I was talking to him about watching the first ever, the first ever championship I ever felt invested in was probably the 04 Pistons. I felt very invested in that team um, as a Detroit sports fan. And then the 06 Tigers that went to the World Series, I was very, very invested in that team. And then the 08 Red Wings that won the Stanley Cup. And that, up until last night, was the singular greatest sports feeling I had ever had. I don't think I can quite describe to the two of you. <laughs> I, I just want I just want to paint a picture for you. And I apologize. I'm going to take up a lot of airtime right here at the beginning. There was a point in time when something significant in the world was happening. I'm not going to get into what it was and all of that. But I looked at my mom and I told her, Mom, I think I want this more than I want Michigan to win a national championship. And her eyes got huge. Because she understood that there are not many things in the world that I want more than the Michigan Wolverines to win a national championship. And boys, last night, Team 144 won the whole dang thing. I, I, I just... I have expected it to happen since the beginning of this season. It was the goal from the beginning of this season. Very, very rarely do you see a team that is a team that expects to win the championship in their sport actually do it. Maybe 10, 15% of the time. It doesn't matter. This is one of those times. Michigan went out and they accomplished the one thing that I just prayed I would see once in my lifetime. I just have crossed into my 30s. Obviously, they won it when I was five years old in 97. I vaguely, vaguely remember that. But this is by far the greatest sports experience I've ever had in my life. Now, I want you guys to tell me, now that I've been as long-winded as I have, what was your greatest sports experience up to this point? And how does this feel now to be national champions? Ah, uh, wow. Um, <clears throat> I don't even know what to say. I, my brain has been so scrambled. Like yesterday before the game, I couldn't focus on anything. And today, after the game, I couldn't focus on anything. It might be this way for the rest of the week. I'm not sure, but whatever. I, and I had this conversation with my family. Unfortunately, I didn't get to spend with 
the people that I grew up with watching Michigan football. I mean, I went to my first Michigan game when I was in like 2005. I don't even remember it, but I have the ticket from it. And every single year it was like, this is what the family does together. So like everybody in the family, in the house, besides Kelsey, but who cares? Um, roots for Michigan, like throughout this season. So like my dad, my mom, you know, my sister Haley, who's maybe even a bigger Michigan fan than I am. I couldn't even fathom like what was happening. And I look back to that 2006 Detroit Tigers because, fellas, I don't know if you know this about me. I did not watch sports until that 2006 season with the Detroit Tigers. I didn't, I just, I was stupid. I don't know. I liked Star Wars and Legos and that was it. And I was a moron because then if I would have liked sports earlier, I might have been able to take advantage of the little athletic ability I have and maybe if maybe played a game at Cornerstone, who knows? Um, you were, you were not, you were not a moron. You were just a kid. That kid. We talked about this last was night. Stupid. You were just a kid. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm done being mad at myself. That 2006 Detroit Tigers team was something that was so cool because I remember everybody in like the state. It would have been, it had been so long since the Tigers were relevant in, in any fashion. And it was like, in my elementary school, people are like, all right, uh, you know, pitching today for the Tigers is Justin Verlander against blah, blah, blah. Like, we're going to, like, write a report on it and come back to school. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. I want to be a part. I remember getting my very first jersey, which was a Carlos Guillen Detroit Tigers road jersey. It was so sick. And I wanted to have the number on the front. And I was just captivated by that. And then when they finally made it to the World Series, I remember it so vividly watched the whole game with my dad maybe the first game I watched from first pitch to the last and my dad is jumping up and down in the living room when Maglia Ordonez hits that walk-off home run and I was like this is what sports is all about and since then I, I mean I I watched baseball a long time I didn't really get into hockey or the other sports until after that so the, I didn't understand the gravity of the 02 Red Wings or the 08 Red Wings. Um, and I started watching hockey like really closely in 2009, 2010. Um, but then Michigan was always there. It was always there. And growing up in the Rich Rod, Brady Hoke era, I always heard the stories. Like my dad would say like, oh, we would beat uh, Indiana 70 to three, like every year. And like, we're just trying to get back to that. And I, I, I didn't see that. I never saw that ever. I'm like, Michigan's struggling to beat Northwestern at home. Like, what What do you mean they were pounding dudes in the face in the 80s and 70s and all of this stuff? S side note, I was at that game that you're referencing right now where Michigan hit the walk-off field goal against Northwestern at home. I was at that game. I'll tell you a story about it later when it's just the three of us, but oh, I was at that oh game. Oh, boy. That's, that is tragic, but... Sitting through those games, I endured some of the best games. I, they beat Wisconsin uh, when they were the seventh ranked team in the country, and that was their only. That was one of their three wins in the year. I was at trouble with the snap, and I was so dejected. I was at the forty-two to forty-one Ohio State final. I was at the John O'Corn game where he just throws it to, well, for whatever reason, three Ohio State defenders with a chance to win the game. I was at twenty twenty-one where they finally get the monkey off their back. I was at 2023, where it seemed like for everything, that game mattered. 
And I was sitting in my living room watching Michigan stop Jalen Milrow on fourth and three to win the road. One of the most incredible victories that Michigan has ever had up to that point. And then a week later, I am jumping up and down in my living room with, you know, seven of my friends finally, finally getting to experience one of my teams make it to the mountaintop where I understood the gravity. I've It's unmatched sports feeling. I can't put it into words. I still don't. I looked, I saw a picture of Harbaugh holding the, the CFP trophy. And I'm like, is that like the whole cliche? Is that real? I was like, that can't be the team that I root for, but it is. Boys. I, uh, I, I guess to answer the question quickly, my greatest sports memory before this, I was super into the Red Wings. Still, I mean, I still am, but I was super into the Red He's Wings, a and I watched. Fan now. I I am not a freaking Penguins fan. Oh, sorry, Seattle Kraken fan. <laughs> They're my second team. They're my other conference. Whatever. Don't take. You guys can't make me be in a bad mood today. I so I remember watching the 08 Red Wings championship. And I remember being devastated in 09 when they went back and, and lost it to the Pens uh, the next year. But I remember being elated for the 08 championship. But I was still really young. and But I do remember watching it. But I was watching it like by myself in my living room. So like it was awesome. I loved it, right? I bought the championship hat and everything. But like, but this moment, like I told this story on the last episode, I got to watch the Rose Bowl where Michigan beat Alabama with my wife and kid. Like, and I got to watch them win the national championship with grace. Um, You know, and you know, Hudson was asleep, but we watched part of the game while he was sleeping up in his room and we had it on, on the phone. And, it was actually kind of weird because after they beat Bama, you know, Bama kind of feels like the mountaintop a little bit, right? Because they're Bama. And so it was, it was a little bit hard for me to get into the natty right after the Rose Bowl. And so the Rose Bowl happened and I'm like, this doesn't feel like I thought it would like immediately. And then the day of the natty came and I had a long day of work. And so I didn't get back home till a little bit later and it's like an hour and a half before game time and i'm like michigan plays for the national championship tonight and i get to watch it and i was just and it hit me in an instant the nerves the excitement and i i'll always remember the feeling of watching mikey saner still pick off michael Penix. Because the game really wasn't completely in hand until that moment. He picked him off. I'm jumping up and down in front of my TV. I'm turning around and high-fiving Grace. Just absolutely elated to watch my state school, to watch my team. My absolute, like, this is my pinnacle team. Like, Michigan football is number one for me. And to watch them win a national championship when as as recently as three years ago, I didn't know if I'd ever see them win a Big Ten championship. Just unreal, man. 
that, like you guys said, this is what sports are about. The memories of watching this with your family, of us getting on this podcast and celebrating the three of us, like, and watching kids who could not be more deserving of this natty go out and work so hard and and accomplish what they set out to. This is this is the mountaintop of sports for me. No doubt about it. <clears throat> I, I just I, I'm I'm so happy and I'm so happy for the two of you. I really am because I know what I'm feeling right now and I know what it's like to, to just feel downtrodden and just to just to reiterate how far-fetched this felt just such a short time ago me and the two of you before we started doing this podcast uh back in 2021 the year after covid <clears throat> I told you guys I said the onus is on Harbaugh. My expectation, whether realistic or not, is for this team to win a Big Ten championship this year and beat Ohio State. And I told the two of you that. And, you know, I think some shoulders were shrugged. And it was like, well, that that's not realistic, you know, especially after the COVID season. But that was where I was at. It, with me, it was... It was crap or get off the pot with Harbaugh. And I was so done. I was so done with the mediocrity. I was so done with him giving into what he thought college football needed to be and not running the same offense, same defensive scheme that he ran at Stanford and was so successful. And then that year, before the season had started, little did we know, Harbaugh said, if I'm going out, I'm going out playing football the way I know it to be played. I'm going to give me some two tight end sets. I'm going to build through the trenches. And if we lose playing that way, we lose playing that way. He got a little fancy in the Michigan State game that year <laughs> and allowed J.J. McCarthy to come in. Bad weather, obviously, you know, Walker the third one of the biggest games in Michigan State history. But aside from that, Michigan had one of the greatest turnaround seasons in college football history that year. It was unbelievable. He said that offseason, he said that we're going to, you know, we're going to beat Ohio State or die trying. And what you just I, described I was him, was his or die trying. The I'm going to coach football the way that I, the way that Bo wanted it to be played, the way my dad wanted it to be played, the way my brother wants it to be played. We're going to play freaking tough-nosed defense, and we're going to beat you up inside and build this team from the inside out instead of, you know, uh, he went he went and got a Shea Patterson, right? And this is not bash on Shea Patterson at all. He's an extremely talented quarterback, but, like, it just wasn't Harbaugh. Harbaugh wasn't being Harbaugh for years. And when he just put two feet into how he wanted to coach his football team, I mean, the, the numbers speak for themselves. He's gone 40 and three since the COVID year. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's one of those sports stories that it's like, okay, come on. Like, that's a movie. That's not real. A coach can't come 
and do that bad. If he was not a Michigan alma mater, if he was not the creme de la creme hire for Michigan, he would have been long gone. He would have been long gone. (laughs) But they allowed him to have one more season. And when he made that speech, it just felt like there was something different. When he said, we've got to be Ohio State or we got to die trying. You knew at that point it was a sellout. It was it was all or nothing. That I've watched that speech a few times since like the season was wrapping up in like in anticipation of the Rose Bowl. He's got that like really like I, I don't want to describe it as stoicness, but like that way about him, that intangible where he just like kind of goes off on his tangent. And that was a moment where he was like direct, knowing what needed to be done, knowing what had to happen for this football team. Like, we got to beat Ohio State, like, plain and simple. We haven't done that. We got to go out and do that. And, I mean, we're we're going to do it or we're going to die trying. And, like, what a perfect quote because they put in and invested every single resource and aspect into changing how they did football and how they were going to accomplish this goal. Alex told us to watch or listen to the Joel Clapp podcast about this, like, sudden change. I thought it was brilliant. And he was breaking down, like, him, like – He's asking for help. He goes to his brother and he's like, how do I do this? Because clearly something isn't working. And he's like, all right, I'm going to give you these two names, AJ Minter or Mike McDonald, my guy. Interview him and and you will find success as you change aspects of your defense. Going from Don Brown, from this man blitz heavy thing to I am going all in to stopping this team. And he did it once with Mike McDonald and he got out of there. And then AJ Mentor comes in, and I would argue exceeds the Jesse. Jesse, AJ, yeah, AJ Mentor is a pitcher. Well, baseball is creeping into my mind. <clears throat> it's just around the corner. Spring training, uh, pitchers and catchers report in February. Um, he almost hits a home run with that, and he surpasses what McDonald was doing. Wow! <laughs> wow! So let's. In, in the, sorry, I. But I feel like we we could talk like this for a whole hour. Let's talk about – let's get into the game. Let's get into what happened and how they did that. And then let's talk about what this means for Michigan. Yeah, Corey, what's up? Hold on. Um, if you are a fan of Big Ten football, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Big Banter. And if you don't like championship caliber football, you can go root for Iowa – Nebraska, Indiana, Purdue, Penn State, Ohio, especially Ohio. If you don't like to win championship games, you can go root for them too. You can root for any of those teams that haven't won a national championship this year. Um, So I realize that we're alienating some of our Big Ten listeners, but win a national championship and then you you can talk about whatever you want. Listen, if you win a national championship and you are part of the Big Ten, you will get this podcast at the end of the year every every single time. It will be all we talk about because this is the culmination of everything we talk about for the entire season from recruiting to portal to coaching to players on the field to performances, all of it. It all comes down to one singular thing. Can you win a national championship? And Michigan did that. And so, yes, this is going to be an episode 
all about a Big Ten school winning the national championship. And if it was Ohio State, as much as I would hate it, we'd be doing the exact same thing. Hey, <laughs> and I'm glad that you mentioned Ohio State because did you know it's been a decade since they last won a national championship? Doesn't that seem like a long time? Okay. Corey the, is choosing violence. It's been a decade. Okay, I do want to say, time out, time out. I do want to say, how cool is it that the four-team college football playoff era, which I made a Facebook post about it possibly being the college football era that I look back on in my lifetime as the greatest 10 years in college football history, the four-team playoff era. Very, very possible. We don't know what this 12-team playoff is going to give us. We don't know how we're going to feel about it. Um, I'd like to think I'm going to love it, but I don't know yet. I haven't watched it. But I know I loved the four-team playoff. So, and it started with an Ohio State championship, and it ended with a Michigan championship. How fitting is that? I think even more fitting, too. You guys watched that like that rivals like Big Ten thing when it was Michigan Ohio State and they broke down the rivalry and they talked about the the, the ten year war like way back when you know Bo and Woody and all that stuff. I th- what a parallel and a mirror to the greatest decade of college football and you have a Ohio State national champion and a Michigan national champion to bookend that time period almost as if Woody and Bo were like right there, like kind of rooting those things on. Uh, But I will say this, uh, Ohio State, cool for winning that national championship. If you want to go watch highlights, go watch the History Channel um, because that was a long time ago Um, because we're we're living in the modern times right now. Nobody, nobody can touch me right now. Nobody. Not at all. He's, He's like Jack Harbaugh. He's yelling into the mic so loud it's not even picking him up. Uh, so, listen, I I understand Corey's enthusiasm, but honestly, I I'm I'm in a place right now where it's like I'm so excited to do this podcast because of the fact that we have a Big Ten school that won the national championship, and it felt like to me this year was really the Big Ten saying, SEC, look out. Because both of these schools in the national championship game right now, those are Big Ten schools. Those are Big Ten schools. And, and I know both, this year... And both of the schools that they beat in the semifinals, SEC, SEC schools. schools. I was I was getting there. Uh, but I, I appreciate that, Alex. 100%. And you can have your high-flying... We got the speed. We got the blah, blah, blah. Listen, the plays that were made on the field show me right now Big Ten football is king. And and I love it. I absolutely love it. And for everybody preying on Michigan's downfall and, oh, this and that, and it's tainted and blah, 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 blah. No one cares. Nobody cares. We're drinking your tears. I don't care. We're drinking your tears, and it tastes so good. The more you talk about it, the more we love it. So because the more you talk you. about it, the more you bring up the fact that Michigan has won, won a, a national, national champ. championship. No doubt. No doubt. And for everybody saying, well, they're going to suck next year. No, they're not. 
they can be they can be JJ McCarthy JJ McCarthy less Jim Harbaugh less and, and and lose all of the players that they're going to lose to the NFL draft and guess what Michigan still coming for that booty because right now they're the best team in the country with the longest winning streak and they are one of five all-time champions to be 15 and 0 or better or four five it's five five Michigan LSU Clemson or Georgia and Yale I think is the other one Yale so Michigan is one of the five best this Michigan football team team 144 one of the five best teams of all time guys let's get into the game uh, we've waited long enough let's dive into this Oh, can we wait a little bit I, longer? I, I, can we just start? Can we just talk? No. About, okay. No, hush. I, I am going to toss it to you first, though, so calm yourself down and be ready to go. Michigan's defense, I, I mean, <laughs> what is there to say about this defense? There are There are two teams that you can look at to say best defense in college football history. And guys, unfortunately, I think we're going to fall a little bit short of all 11 players being drafted from your defense that Georgia had just two short years ago, I believe it was. That Georgia defense was the most incredible defense I have ever seen in college football history. But this defense, in my opinion, is number two. Uh, and Corey, I'm just going to let you take over from right there. Break down this defensive performance in this game. Give me some players. Talk about some plays. What Michigan was able to do against the number one offense without question in college football in Michael Penix Jr. Those three great wide receivers and a phenomenal running back in this game. I was thinking a little bit about this uh, today, and I'll put my serious hat back on, everybody, so relax. I can be partial. Um, you have to compare, I think, the performances of the Alabama-Rose Bowl game. We need you to be impartial, oh, not partial. Okay. All right. Well, whatever. I don't know words. Um, you have to compare the Rose Bowl game to the national championship because you got the big explosive plays out of the defense against Alabama with six. Did they finish with just six or did they have seven sacks? I think it was just six, just six. That's that is so many sacks. Um, but their pressure was able to result in that big home run play that everybody talks about. And honestly, they honed in on Milrose weaknesses of he can't complete the short pass and they're going to keep everything in front of them. And they completely limited the big explosive play. Then you turn it around in a week and you get a team that is designed to burn you with big explosive plays and a quarterback who in, in my honest opinion, probably should have won the Heisman just given the, the accolades and how far they went in the playoffs, which also, by the way, side note, Let's do the college football awards after bowl season. I like that because Jaden Daniels had an incredible season and then we didn't see him. We got to see Bo Nix for another game. We got to see 
you know, Michael Penix for two more, you know, all these other Heisman finalists, except uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. This defense wasn't as explosive today or on the national championship, but their pressure was still there. The presence was known. And I, I think sitting at home, you get that real difference of like, what does it feel like to be in the pocket as the quarterback? And then what are you seeing on TV? Because honestly, I thought to myself that they didn't get as much pressure as they did in the Alabama game, but Michael Penix sure did feel that pressure because he was missing. There was, I think at least three throws that were huge aspects of this game where he just missed. There wasn't even anybody around. Like he missed a, a, a Dunze uh, on that huge fourth down play that gave Michigan, you know, the ball close to the 50 yard line uh, because of pressure Four man rush pressure. And on TV, it's like, it doesn't seem like they're getting that much, but to the quarterback in the pocket, absolutely. It was the interception that Will Johnson had. Yes. Incredible, incredible play. But that was due to, I believe, Kenneth Grant blocking the center into Penix, having him step on his ankle, the center step on Michael Penix's ankle, and then having him roll up on it. So, yes, Will Johnson made an incredible play. But due to the defensive line, <laughs> it's a hand-in-hand, 50% you know, you know, uh, play there from both sides of the defense. Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham. I understand that Will Johnson won defensive player of the game in this game. Mason Graham was the best player on the field. Mason Graham was the best player on the field for either team. Understanding that Blake Corum was on offense for Michigan. Michael Penix Jr. was on offense for Washington. All these elite players, Michigan has Mikey Sainer still, Will Johnson in the secondary, all these. Mason Graham was the best player on the field. That He looked like an NFL defensive tackle playing against children in that game. He Mason Graham, if somebody can get a message out, you deserve to win defensive MVP for that game. He was unbelievable. The the last, the game against Ohio State, the game against Alabama, the game against Washington. You could very well make an argument that Mason Graham was the MVP for Michigan in those three games. I, I agree, and I think the entire defensive line, although playing differently, was incredible and was a huge difference maker in this game for those reasons that I had already stated. Uh, Kenneth Grant was exceptional, and then the rotational uh, that they had going on in the game uh, to keep Washington off their toes. And I believe there was a drive where they had like a couple of false start penalties back to back to back. Uh, and that's due to the, you know, the switches and everything else that's going on, you know, causing some of that confusion. I thought that was exceptional, even though they didn't have the huge explosive play on the defensive side of the ball. I have to say there were a few plays that you know, kind of made you scratch your head. Some of those, there was, I think, three or two open field tackles. I think one by Sanders still that he missed. That was early on in the game where it's like, oh, you got him. And he, did, he didn't wrap up and then breaks off for 10 yards. And then I, there was one more for every missed tackle. Keon Sab. Yeah, Keon Sab. Keon Sab. And, and it was on a third down play that allowed uh, Adunze 
to run for a first down, and that would have forced them to punt. And Keon Sab missed a key tackle. He had him wrapped right. up. Had him dead to right. He did. And I I believe Sanders still had a had a tackle like that that he missed as well. For every tackle like that that they missed, they made up twofold. Sanders still didn't miss another tackle. And I believe he had a one-on-one twice. And he was able to wrap down to the, you know, to the shoelaces of I don't I can't remember the Washington. He saved he saved a touchdown on a play where he had to re-wrap up the receiver three different times. I texted you guys about it right away when it happened. It was a quick pitch out to the right side of the field, short side of the field towards us on the TV. And Mikey Sainer still saved a touchdown. There was no safety help. He was one-on-one. If he whiffs on that tackle, that kid is still running today. Yeah. He's still going. Absolutely. A la Quinn Johnston from the TCU game last year. I don't want to talk about it. Yes. And it was – no, listen – it was no. That's a great. That's a great comparison because it's making those plays that that team couldn't mm. make, but this team had the maturity, the coaching, and the wherewithal to understand there is no losing. It is make the play or die, and Mikey Sainer still. That was a third down play that forced a punt for Washington, and the difference between a game where. A, a, a play where you're forcing a punt or you're allowing a huge 50-plus yard touchdown. It's unbelievable. I, I mean, this defense played out of their ever-loving minds Just in, in this game. Just one more comment. I'll tie it up, Alex. I'll shoot it over to you. What an incredible performance from the secondary as well. Keon Saab had a – I believe it was on a McMillan out in the third quarter – Washington's driving, putting together, putting together a couple of these plays, punches the ball out before he makes the football move, incomplete pass. Exceptional play. What's to say about Will Johnson? Sanders still had his moments. Talk about Josh Wallace for a second, because this is a guy who was at UMass. Dom Brown had him under shackles for a thousand years or whatever it was. He won three football games total before coming to Michigan, and now he's a national champion. And he made some exceptional plays deep in the coverage of, and not allowing anybody to get open deep down the field. That secondary, as as well as the defensive line played, that secondary played exceptionally, exceptionally well. A full team effort. They were stingy. They weren't giving them anything cheap or easy. They were keeping everything in front of it. It was, it was another... Uh, layer to this defense that was so good for so long this year. Guys, Michigan won the national championship because they have the best defense in the country and it's not particularly close. Like we, as, as Big Ten fans, got to watch four of the best defenses in the country this year in Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Iowa. And there was actually some debate throughout the year of who actually had the best defense, who had the best pass rush, who had the best turnover ratio, who this and that. And, you know, this team's got the stars, right? Penn State had Chop Robinson. Yeah, like they they had the big names. And, you know, Iowa had never letting anyone score and defensive touchdowns. Michigan is the best defense in the country. And that is why they are national champions today. Because that defense for two straight games in, in the CFP, they put the lid on two of the most explosive offenses in the country 
until the offense could could get their stuff together and put a drive together to go down the field and take control of the game. But the defense, man, I don't want to talk forever about it because you guys gave them their flowers. You cannot say enough about the unit. And to to your, both of your guys' points about the, the open field tackling, this is probably the best tackling college defense I've ever seen. You do not see college kids tackle like this every year. It does not happen. And, you know, normal casual college football fans or football fans in general are probably going to say like, oh, tackling? What? That It's a normal part of the game. Everybody tackles. Not everybody does it very well. Go watch USC's defense. To watch a team tackle elite skill players in the open field, it is a hard thing to do. And this team, God, they're so freaking elite at it. And they're such a complete defense. They're such a complete defense. They're able to get pressure with either four or five, which allows their super skilled secondary to sit back and watch and just prey on you know, lobbed passes or missed throws. And the linebackers are so good at filling gaps in the run game and covering guys out of the backfield. It's such a complete defense. Jesse Minter and those guys are the reason they are national champions. But I'm going to mention someone who absolutely deserves mentioning, and we haven't talked about him yet. Donovan Edwards. The Don. Big game Donovan Edwards has had a tough year. And and we all knew it. Every everybody knows it. And in an era of transfer portal football, with him knowing Blake Corum was coming back, he could have gone in the transfer portal and gone just about anywhere he wanted cuz he's that talented. But he stayed here cuz he loves Michigan and he loves those guys in the locker room and he loves his coach and he struggled. There's no doubt about it. He struggled. Blake Corum is the better running back, so he got a lot of the carries and Donovan didn't see the production he had last year and then in the media days leading up to the national championship someone asks him about it and he says you know i've met with my therapist i've talked about this and to sum up what he said basically you know you learn lessons from going through stuff like this right and he's just trusting the process he's trusting his ability and his work ethic and he's trying to learn lessons by going through this tough season What does he come out and do in the national championship game? First two carries for Donovan Edwards. 41-yard touchdown run. And then he follows it up with a 46-yard touchdown run. And he ends the game. That's when he touched the ball twice. And he ends the game with six carries, 104 yards, and two touchdowns. The dude showed up he had he paid his dues he sat behind Blake Corum with all the talent in the world and with the college football landscape at his choosing if he wanted it to be he stayed here the work paid off the man showed up when we needed him most and he's a national champion for it do you remember in another big game where Donovan Edwards had a couple of crucial carries I I do. It was actually a very similar team that they played. A team with a really great quarterback and some star wide receivers, but they couldn't match us up front. <sighs> yeah. Okay. I, I I'm taking over. <laughs> Why are you, t- well, Ethan? What are you doing? Why are you? 
stomping on our parade right now. I'm not stomping on the parade. We can celebrate the national championship, but but one thing we can't do we can't we can't just we can't turn this into a kick Ohio State party. Okay? No, 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 I wasn't even talking about Ohio State. Oh, you 100 percent were talking about Ohio. You can't State. prove it. No, Ethan. And, and, Ethan, hold on, because you you know I'm going to say two things. One, you know for a fact that they would be doing the same exact thing if they were in this situation. And number two, I've got a coworker of mine, a couple coworkers who are Ohio State fans. But one of them decided to chat about the game with me yesterday while we were at the office. So he, he, he looks at me after our meeting and he goes, he goes, hey, so how do you feel about the game tonight? Are you nervous? Are you nervous about the game tonight? And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, oh, am I nervous about the game tonight? And before I even get an answer out, he looks me in the face and goes, you should be. Washington's going to crush you guys tonight. And I go, oh? And he goes, the only reason your secondary is any good is because your defensive line gets pressure. And now you're going up against the best offensive line in the country. And you guys aren't going to get pressure. And Michael Penix is going to tear you guys apart. This man said this to me. He looked me in the eyes after getting beat down for three years in a row and said, oh, you should be nervous. Washington's going to crush you guys. Guess what, buddy? We won by three touchdowns, and our defensive line dominated the Joe Moore Award winners, which should have been three-time back-to-back-to-back Joe Moore Award-winning Michigan Wolverines. They decided to give it to Washington this year because they were bored of giving it to Michigan, and they were wrong. The defensive line said, watch this. We practice against the best offensive line in the country. These guys are parading around as the best offensive line in the country, and they're not, and they proved it. And Michigan won the freaking national championship. They beat Ohio State three years in a row. No one can touch this team. 15-0 and perfection. I'm going to stomp on everybody today. Well, uh, Now, have you gotten to talk to him since? No, it's, he's not worth it. Oh, oh. Okay. I th- I was going to text him, and I was like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. He knows. He knows. You should just text him and just be like, eat that, hoe bag. <laughs> he might go to HR if I, I do that. I mean, I mean, what what's to keep you from saying, eat that, hoe bag, to a guy? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's really going to happen? Not much. What's the worst that could happen? Not much. Also, Ethan. I mean, do it after hours. Also, Ethan. Yes, I was talking about Donovan Edwards against Ohio State. I, I want. I want the record to be clear. Yeah, I. I know. I'm not stupid. Oh. Also. Okay. Also, I, I just just real quick, and to highlight kind of what happened in this football game, guys. Michael Penix Jr. <laughs> dog. He's he, a dog. If, for. For everything, for everything we heard about him, for everything, and, and he didn't play his best game. He probably, he, not probably, he played the worst game of his season thus far. He and was give Michigan's, ghost. Yeah, give Michigan's defensive line a lot of credit because it was probably due to that. But it, it just felt like the moment was too big for him. A lot like it felt like the moment was too big for Michigan in last year's semifinal against TCU. 
the first year against a Georgia, that Georgia team, like I said, best defense I've ever seen in my life. Last year, Michigan should have beat that TCU team. They were way, way better than that TCU team. It very much felt like Washington, Michael Penix Jr., the moment was just a bit too big for them. And Michigan was ready. And I mean ready. Jesse Minter had that defense ready to go. Um, Sharon Moore had the offense ready to roll. And give Washington's defense a lot of credit. I think they played way above their heads in in the second and third quarter. By the fourth quarter, it was just too much. Michigan's defense kept getting stops, kept making Washington punt the football, and eventually that Washington defense just kind of broke down. But you can't say enough about Donovan Edwards, can't say enough about Blake Quorum, and guys, we have quite possibly the most selfless quarterback in the modern era of college football. No other quarterback could have quarterbacked this Michigan team the way that J.J. McCarthy did. A guy who can make every throw on the field, can use his legs, a guy who can be an elite playmaker. You want him to go out there, you want him to look like a kid who can just absolutely sling the rock, use his feet, all of that kind of stuff. He could 100% be that guy. Michigan said, J.J., we don't need you to. We need you to manage football games and make occasional plays with your legs, occasional throws on the run. And we those, don't need it to be constant. And those occasional plays with his legs and the occasional throws that he makes, they're not easy. Like It's not like they're asking him to, to do – the easy stuff, right? It's not like they're protecting him from himself when they're asking him to go out and make a play. It's like, okay, yeah, we need, we need the play right now. We need the throw that you made against Ohio state to Roman Wilson, where you threaded it in a window, barely the size of two footballs in between two linebackers. We need a play with your legs against Washington, where you escape a pass rush that is right in your face and run for 30 yards to thank God flip field position for the team so that the defense is not backed up in their own end. Like there are so many haters out there that, Oh, JJ McCarthy's mid blah, blah, blah. Cause they're, they're, they're a bunch of box score watchers and they don't actually watch the throws and the plays that he makes when he is required to make them. If you told me somehow, some way, Somebody could come up with like a $4 million bag to keep J.J. McCarthy for one more year at Michigan. Please, for the love of everything good and holy. And if if any university could do it, this university can do it, okay? You can find the funds. You can find that moolah. I'd pay him five. I truly would. Because if you ask, J.J. McCarthy, okay, J.J., we don't quite have the defense we had last year. We need you to be a a little bit more elite. We need you to be a little bit more of a playmaker in a heartbeat. I believe that man could do it in a heartbeat. There are legitimately people 
and fans who think J.J. McCarthy is not a top 10 quarterback in college football right now. And they're that's all more an argument that can't that's an argument that can't be made. He has shown you time and time again in the biggest situations on the biggest stages when it comes when push comes to shove. I will make the play. I will make the play. That pass that he made to Roman Wilson. It, you guys, I, I listen to I listen to three different guys who are quarterback coaches or I'm sorry, not quarterback coaches, that's the wrong word. Quarterback trainers in the offseason for NFL quarterbacks. And they break down film every single week for college quarterbacks and NFL quarterbacks. I watch all three of them. Two of them already have videos out for the national championship game. They released them today about J.J. McCarthy. Both of them said in their videos, top 15 pick in the NFL. Top 15 pick. That kid can make throws that they're that one of the guys said there are not 10 quarterbacks in the NFL that can make throws that JJ McCarthy can make on the run. Not 10. He puts it into a shoebox while he is sprinting. That kid can make throw, and he's a kid. He is still like JJ, you're a man. I understand. I'm saying this as a 31-year-old. Please forgive me. I understand. You're a grown man. You're an adult. You're a kid when it comes to being an NFL quarterback, and you have an illustrious career ahead of you, I hope. There is is no question that he is a top-10 quarterback. He's a top-five quarterback in college football. Ethan's a man. He's four. I'm a man. I'm 40. One of the best sound bites of all time. Thinking about that, I I, I will be the first to say yes. I've, I had I had to defend JJ to one of one of my buddies who's a he's a Notre Dame fan. Um, shout out uh, if he's listening. Um, you should be in the Big Ten anyway. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he. I'm sure he'd keep Sam Hartman over JJ McCarthy. Well, he sure. he was talking about how he could. I could name 15 quarterbacks that are better than JJ McCarthy. Uh, don't think he can now, but that's beside the point. Um, and yes, stat watcher, all of that stuff. And I told him the exact same thing that you guys are saying. Like, look at the plays that this kid has made. The minute that we knew something was special, the wash or the Western Michigan game in 2021, where he gets his first, you know, action as a college football player and he makes that throw across his body that was like a 50 yard completion and then it ended up being a 70 yard touchdown pass he was he was rolling out the opposite way and he's just like oh i'm gonna chuck it over on the furthest part of the field right now it was a dime i no disrespect to shea patterson no disrespect to denard robinson maybe a little disrespect to john o'corn no one's making that throw Nobody's making that throw, and nobody could make that throw but J.J. McCarthy. I will say I don't think he played all that great in the national championship, but two things. He didn't make the mistakes. Those were non-existent, and he made the big plays when you needed him to make those plays, and that's exactly what you guys talked about, and that's why he's the perfect quarterback to be on the reins of this offense 
top 15 pick from all of Ethan's people. If he stays, does he have a chance to be the number one or the number two quarterback next year? I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's in the mix. Maybe un, or uncorking the playbook a little bit, and he's a Heisman final. Does that mean anything to him? What do you guys think? Uh, I think it totally depends on his draft stock to me personally. Obviously, I don't know the kid, um, but I think it's going to depend on where he thinks he's projected in the draft. I think I think he and Donovan Ed- – I also think part of it depends on if Harbaugh is going, which I think everyone thinks he is. But uh, I think him and Donovan both have interesting choices to make. I think Blake Corum's gone for sure. But I think Donovan and JJ, depending on the Harbaugh situation and what draft uh, draft uh, experts tell him, I think they have interesting choices to make. But I don't want us to get too long-winded here because I, I want to ask this question. What does this mean for Michigan as a program? Because there have been pundits out there talking about Michigan and they're spitting facts. That one, they haven't won a national championship since 97, but that was a shared national title with Nebraska. They hadn't won an outright national championship since the 40s, but they had accumulated all of these wins and had a bunch of 10-win seasons, and but never got over the hump to be national champs. And they're in an area of the country that's not a hotbed for recruiting, and they have academic hurdles with the transfer portal. So what does this win mean for Michigan, mean for Big Ten teams, for other teams that find themselves in the same spot as a program. I've heard a little bit of this discussed a little bit. Joel Klatt, Scott Van Pelt, which Scott Van Pelt, the best that ESPN has to offer. He talked about it in his one big thing after the national championship game. Uh, this, this is the most important victory in Michigan history. Given the, the history of the game, you know, you had all of those wins stacking up and some of them were against high school teams, but a lot of different programs have wins against high school teams. That's, that's, that's part of the game in the past. Um, but to those exact points, no outright championship since the 30s, a shared one in the 90s, no title game appearances before that point. And then the catastrophe that was their record against Ohio State, this was the most important victory in Michigan football history. Not only that, they needed that win last night or whenever you're listening to this. They needed that win on Monday night, and they wanted that win. They needed that win more than Washington, and they wanted that win more than Washington, and that's how it got done. They got desperate. They changed everything they needed to do, and they saw the hurdles that they had. I mean, they had recruits that they would have loved to have, and I'm sure there's plenty of other you know people in the transfer portal that we didn't even hear about that couldn't get into the school because of academic standards. And even I think uh, Ladarius Henderson coming from Stanford had credit issues saying that class wasn't good. I mean, for that's just, you're the university of Michigan and you're not going to accept a credit from Stanford. I, I don't know what's going on there, but they saw those hurdles play in the Midwest. And they said, we don't care. We want this. We need this. And that is what you saw in the field. It was the most important victory in Michigan football history. Yeah. I could not agree more. And 
we're going to echo both of us a little bit of what Joel Klatt said. Could I, cause I listened to his ep- episode today too. The last four years, if you average out Michigan's recruiting classes outside the top 10, like they went out and proved that you, you can win a national championship with development as the key pillar of your program. And honestly, I think Michigan's going to have to continue to do that. I don't think winning a national championship magically turns them into a program that is going to recruit three and four and five five-star players in one class. I think I think that those kids are always, I shouldn't say always, but most of the time going to see NIL dollars from the Texases, the Texas A&Ms, the Bamas, the Georgias, the Floridas, the you name them. And I think Michigan, from here on out, is still going to battle for those developmental kids. But this national championship gives their program so much legitimacy that it was missing before. They were trying to pitch to kids, like, you come and be the ones that get us over the hump. Like, you come and be the ones that can be the first to do this, right? But now kids can see it. It's possible. It can be done. It has been done. So come be a part of building on this legacy and they're going to pitch this vision to the to the mid to low tier four stars, the high tier four stars, the high tier three stars and be like, look at what we did with a Chris Jenkins. Look at what we did with a Mike Sainer still. Look at what we did. And then with our five stars, Will Johnson and JJ McCarthy, they're still stars. So come be a part of something special and be better than what all these recruiting experts think. I think the biggest key there is being able to sell your development. And no school in the past three years has developed talent the way Michigan has. Michigan has turned three- and four-star players into bona fide five-star talent. They had two five-star starters on that team. In JJ McCarthy and and Johnson uh, on defense, and there is just no better place to be than you're in a home recruiting a kid, like you said, four star kid, whatever it may be. I, I I don't even care. Michigan is elite at identifying talent and identifying raw ability and hey we can turn this kid into exactly what we need him to be and then the most underrated part of what Michigan has been able to do is the transfer portal there are two teams that sit at the top of transfer portals and how they have impacted the game on the field for those teams and it's not close it's Michigan and Florida State, those two teams have been unbelievable when it comes to transfer portal and how it has how it has been applied to on field advantage. And we can get into the whole Florida State thing and how they should have made the college football playoff. How do you go undefeated and get left out? Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. Their quarterback got hurt. I get it. No two teams have used the transfer portal better than those two teams. 
And Michigan needs to continue to do that. Michigan needs to continue to realize, listen, our bread is buttered when we develop talent out of recruiting and then go into the transfer portal to fill in those gaps of the places where we need the most help. And they're already doing that for next season. We can already see that they're getting ready to do that exact same thing next season. I think Michigan is set up for long-term success, regardless of who the next coach is, who the head coach is next season. Next episode, we're going to get into what is going to happen with Jim Harbaugh if something already hasn't at that point in time. Uh, we'll get into, you know, what teams' expectations are for next year and all of that kind of stuff. But boys, a Big Ten team, our Big Ten team, Michigan national champions forever. This episode of the podcast, we'll never forget it. It was talking all about Michigan being national champs. Huge shout out to Corey and Alex for dealing with my butt all year long. Guys, I appreciate you. I love you. you. Say that again. I think we have one. <laughs> I think we I'll have deal. one last I'll, thing. I'll deal with your butt any day. Oh. All right. See, this is how you know we've gone over an hour is when this stuff starts happening. One quick thing uh, before we wrap it up, I'm going to toss it over to Alex. Alex, I believe, has the records for this season. I so toss do. it over to him, and he can he he can let us know who won. I don't know. I don't think Corey knows. I have a feeling Corey won it all, but we shall see. So there were. I will preface this by saying I excluded bowl games because there were so. Or sorry, yeah, I excluded bowl games because there was some sicknesses, and not all of us got picks in. So this goes through conference championship week. Okay. And does it include the college football playoff? Because I think we all picked that. It does not include the playoff, but I can do that very quickly if we want to do okay. that. Do that. Do it. Do, do it. it. Listen, okay. folks, while he does that, while he gets that, while he gets that accomplished, I <laughs> and and I owe this to the people. Hold on, okay. I I'm, I might I may need your help doing this. So you both picked Michigan to cover in the Natty, yes, correct. No, no, Al, uh, no, 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 wrong. Corey took Washington plus the points, but Michigan to win. No, no I he did. did. Oh, you did. I said Alex is a loser. I said Michigan was going to win by two scores. <laughs> Alex is such a loser. <laughs> what an okay, idiot, so Michigan. You're so stupid. Okay, hold on. Time out. Time out. Alex, while you while you calculate it, all that stuff. I remember at the beginning of the year, this has been my outside of everything that's transpired on the field. This has been my favorite part of the podcast for this season, for season two of Big Banter, when we made our uh, final four picks for the college football playoff, and you were the first to go, and you picked Alabama. Which kudos to you. You picked correctly. Ethan, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, and it's not really throwing you under the bus. I just think it was really funny. Ethan said, who's going to play quarterback? And then you thought about it for a second. He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. 
you don't know because they don't have one. And then he laughs and he's like, ha, 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 what a trash pick. You're the trash man. I thought that was the funniest. I thought that was the funniest thing all year is, is Ethan calling you the trash man. I think about that once a week. <laughs> Me calling Alex the trash man for saying Alabama doesn't have a quarterback, which Michigan tr- proved to be this, true. It was. It wasn't even about. True. It wasn't even about the pick. It was just about you saying and calling Alex the trash man. Did I get two college football playoff teams correct? I got Michigan and Texas. No, you picked Florida State and LSU. Florida State. Okay, timeout. Florida State should have made it. That's. That doesn't it doesn't count. matter. They didn't. They didn't. Did anybody get more than two teams correct? No, I think I got one. No, I got two. You both got one, and I got two. Okay. So I should I should have gotten two, and you should have gotten one. Although I did call a Pac-12 champion or the Pac-12 team in the championship. So point you did. So okay, hold on. I'm going playoff games. I picked Washington versus Texas. So. The, okay, so three games. I went – I can't remember. Do you guys remember if I picked Michigan to cover against Bama? I think we all did. That was a super lock. W- that was a super lock. Okay, so I went two and one because I picked Washington to cover in the natty. Ethan, you picked Michigan in the natty to cover, and you picked mm-hmm. Michigan to cover against Bama. Did you pick Texas or Washington? I believe I took Washington plus the points. Okay, so you went 3-0. and Corey? I picked Washington as well. Ethan swayed me. So you went 3-0. and Okay. Oh, yeah. I, 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 he switched because of me. I'm not sure if it was the – I know I definitely – No, it was the it was the Pac-12 championship that game was that it. Corey that's, switched to pick. That but, no, I picked, I picked Washington. So did you pick – I did pick Washington. I picked Washington okay. and went outright okay, 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 too. Okay. Ooh. Look at okay. you. All right. Hold on. I'm... I don't think I picked no. that. I think I took Washington plus the points, but I took Texas Correct. to win. But it don't matter. Not at all. Okay. I am doing maths because we did not pick the same number of games uh, due to, again, oh, illness. We were only absence. adding in, but we were only adding in the national, the, the playoff. Correct, yeah. No, not all the bowl games. No, correct. I know. I know. We still didn't pick the same number. Uh, okay. Uh, so I'm doing win percentages. Oh, I don't like this. Along with... I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Okay. There's one down. Oh, no. Uh, we need, like... Who was it? Who was down? I think I know. I think I know. I think I know the order. There's there's two Corey's down. Smiling. Uh, Corey's smiling. Uh, Corey has a very large uh, smile on his face. Okay, here we go. Just tell me I didn't. Okay. So I will give you the just straight records, and then I will tell you who won by percentage. Oh, brother. I came in. With a record of seventy-one and fifty-nine for the year. Wow! Whoa, that's fantastic. Ethan, you came in with a record of seventy and sixty-three this year. Okay. 
and Corey. I mean, you guys can probably figure out who wins after I say this. Corey came in with a record of 75 and 58. Whoa. So by percentage, Corey, Ethan comes in third with 52.63%, his winning percentage. The fact that third place is above 50%. Yeah. And I just say the turnaround from last year. Yeah. For for us as a podcast. I came in second with my winning percentage being 54.61. And Corey takes first place this year at 56.39%. Wow. Give me wow, that. Wow. Give me that dub. I would like to thank Our, you guys. I would like to thank my perfect week, which is the only reason that I won this whole season. He did have... He did have a perfect week, which is freaking incredible. I would have finished last. Listen, I would have finished last if it were not for that perfect week. I would challenge. I would challenge any podcast to give me three dudes who pick against the spread for as many for games an se- for as many games as we did, and, and be all three above five hundred. You guys, huge accomplishment. Obvious. You got listen. We're a betting podcast. Congratulations, Corey. Thank you. Way Co- to go, Corey. Corey. Corey, the unbelievable – from the coin last year, from being so bad at making picks that you had to revert to a coin to this year being on top. Uh, being on top when all three of us finished above 500. Huge shout-out to Corey. I love you, brother. I'm so proud of you. I, I'm so happy for you. I truly am. And it all culminated with one last final victory with Michigan winning a national championship. And listen, we did. We did predictions for who would win the national championship at the beginning of the year. I know I took Michigan. I know Alex took Michigan. And I know Corey took Michigan. So you've got a podcast that gave you a preseason national champion. You've got a podcast of ball knowers. That's what you have. What? That is ex- that is exactly what you have. And listen, I can guarantee you, we ain't all going to be picking Michigan next year. So I, I want you guys to stick around. I, I, I don't even know what to say. I've had so much fun doing this with the two of you guys. I really appreciate it. I love you both so much. This is Big Banter. We will get you an episode within the next month for sure i'm not sure that we're gonna stick to the every week we gotta uh, go next thing going forward we gotta keep this victory lap going as long as we can maybe not to the extent of this week's episode i i understand off season it's not gonna be you're gonna get at least an episode once a month i can i can pretty safely guarantee you that alex is doing degenerate things Corey's doing degenerate things while i'm talking to you guys it is what it is. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening to Big Banter. We all love you. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, go blue, Big Ten champs, national champs. We're out. Bet.